0: individual, living a miracle, standing divisible, connected to God in my physical, essence of my spiritual presence is visible, totally leaving you unaware of my mental subliminal, used to be a criminal, living so minimal, with things have changed in my life, is going through different intervals, finding that balance is significantly difficult, timing is everything, so my timing is critical, rhyming is literal, the unforgettable, it's why you stand before you, impeccably so presentable, I give respect to you know that I am respectable, I've always wanted acceptance, is that acceptance I get the rival expected to be exceptional, and I'm a grown man, handle business like a professional. I get the credible, the unconventional, and you stopping me from chasing my dreams is unprovenable.
1: This is NC Raw. Recovery always. Welcome to NC Raw. Recovery always. Thanks for tuning in to our second episode. My name is Steve Steen. Sitting here with my dog, the recovery lion, Caleb. <laughs> what's going on, brother man?
2: What's up? What's up? Um a little tired today. Yeah. A little tired today, but I'm ready to get it in, ready to talk about this. Uh ready to talk about recovery.
1: Awesome, man. And the amazing Courtney sitting in with us.
3: Hey, what's up?
1: Thank you for all that you have done for us. And just wanted to give a quick shout-out to start the show uh, to my dog, Rival, the artist who allowed us to use his intro music to our show. Um, you just heard The Chase by Rival. So thanks to thanks to him for checking us out. Wanted to kind of just start off the show by talking a little bit about what kind of feedback did you guys get from our first episode? Like, what kind of uh, response did...
2: Friends, family, strangers. Uh, I, I got a lot of feedback from parents, saying that uh, you know, they wanted us to do a show, talking about how they can approach their kids, family members. Okay. So I, I think that that's something we can, you know, work towards here something
1: soon. Kind of build on and maybe absolutely
2: get some parents in, get some people that's, you know, uh, trying to help, trying to help their family members find recovery. Awesome. couple, maybe some future segments, future mm-hmm.
1: topic ideas. Did you get anything, Courtney, any kind of feedback?
3: Well, I guess I don't really run in the same social circles that you guys do. So a lot of the people that I interact with don't know a lot about recovery to begin with, but from what I've been sharing on my Facebook and on my social media, I think I've gotten a pretty positive amount of feedback from people who want to hear more who want to learn about it, who haven't really heard of the topic, I guess, and the problems around it, or, like, people who are trying to, to spread that message. Mm-hmm. Um, so mostly I've just heard that they want to hear more. Okay. So A
1: little bit of interest, kind of something different, maybe. Very cool. Well, uh, yeah, I had some pretty good feedback. Um, definitely uh, a, a common theme that I got was, like, number one um, – A lot of people shared to was really interested in like your story and like your background and where you come from. Um, They said that Caleb was just very real on the show. And that's kind of like the concept of Raw is to like, you know, bring real stories, share our experiences and and bring the community in and allow them the opportunity to do the same. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, Also had a couple like contacts of people I don't really know that well that reached out and said they wanted to hear like a little more of a variety. Um, you know, kind of wanted to hear a women's perspective and, um, a little more of a diverse group. So I think it's kind of like, kind of cool for us to like, kind of look at who we can bring in and kind of open that up, open up the microphone that we have vacant tonight. Uh, I kind of forgot to forgot that point, but we're a man down tonight, uh, due to an emergency, uh, Richie couldn't make it, so thoughts and prayers for Richie in uh, his vehicle situation. But hopefully, all that works out, and he'll be back with us this coming Monday. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the the only other uh, go ahead.
2: No, go ahead, go ahead. The
1: only other feedback that I thought was a little bit funny was from one of my buddies back home in Florida that didn't catch the Facebook live video. And didn't watch the video but listen to the podcast mm-hmm. and he said that caleb sounds like larry the cable guy what <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what i said <laughs> wow
2: um what? I don't even know how to take that. <laughs> I,
1: I, I told him, I said, go watch the video and I think you might change your perspective on that. But it was the same person that said, uh, Caleb <laughs> Caleb's story is real and wanted to hear more about your story. Larry so. the Cable Guy, that's the first time I've heard that <laughs> so one. So drop me some jokes, man. Fire some jokes at me, bro. <laughs> so I thought that uh, for tonight's show, I had a couple ideas, a couple uh, topics that we are going to cover and kind of... Um, Kind of talk about why we, why is it important to promote recovery, and why are we doing this? Like, why are we doing this podcast and like sharing our story, sharing our message of recovery, and sharing sharing our
2: message of hope? What do you, what are your thoughts, Caleb? Well, I think that I know seeing seeing my um family, my especially my nieces and nephews. And my community in general, there's so much crisis, there's so much oppression going on that, uh, you know, without any hope, then uh, if we're not if we're not dealing that and trying to offer that up to people, we're always going to be oppressed. And I think that that's the message that I'm trying to send to everybody. Is I try to leave everybody in a better place than I found them in. And for me to do that, in my you know in my walk in life, uh, I try to be as mentally, physically, and spiritually sound you know balanced as possible. And so uh I actually want to share share a story about um my nephew. I mean, we're all, right? it's it's yeah. it's live, we're live. Um uh, my Close nephew to home. he uh he's fourteen and the other day he went down to his dad's house and there were some there were some people down there that are still actively uh in their substance use who haven't found recovery. And his dad had left and uh I and he 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 was really it shook him up to see his dad walking up and down the road, um, not having no part of you know, his mom's in jail, my sister's in jail right now because of, you know, circumstances dealing with uh, substance use. But uh, he he went down there and he lost his temper and he took a, a stick to a grown man. You know, mind you, he's fourteen, took a stick to a grown man, he him in been faced with it. Busted a windshield out of the, you know, cracked the windshield out of the vehicle down there. They're down there, you know, selling drugs, and uh, he took his gun down there. The, I mean, the I fourteen going, year old yes, kid, my nephew, took his gun down there. And so he come up after after he busted the guys, the the people's windshield. He come up back up to the house, grabbed his grabbed his uh, his, his little his twenty two, went back down there, and we didn't know anything of it. You know, all the kids were outside playing. Well. He comes back up and he was he was really shit, you know shaking up and his eyes were big and he's like guess what I just done Uncle K? and I was like what and he told me what he had done he pointed the gun at him and said get out of here I'm tired of you you know dealing my dad drugs and you know you're keeping him on drugs and I was like well hang on you know Ashton I said you know the first thing you need to realize is your dad is a grown man and he's gonna make his own choices the best way you can support him. And to find recovery is to tell him you love him and to tell him you miss him tell him you miss you know him being your dad yeah. being there for you and so uh ashton he got a little sh- you know he was he was really shook up and um that's why we got to give out hope he needs he needs to see and he 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 comes up to me asking me questions now he come up asking me about love what is what does love look like how, do, how does love feel
1: but you're showing them that. You're displaying that on a Absolutely. daily basis. Like I
2: told him, and uh, I said, Ashton, you, you've got to try to be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah, You don't want, you know, you need to uh, listen in school. You need to come home, listen at home. I said, and they see that you're doing it differently, and you're, you know, you're doing the things that you're supposed to do. That's going to make them want to do better.
1: Lead by example.
2: Exactly. And even, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be. Even though he's the son here, he's the kid, he can help them find their voice again, help them realize that they're valuable as, as his mom and dad again. And that's what I tried to share with him. I said, you know, I understand that you're mad, but that's, that's just going to get you in trouble. Yeah. You know, we we all got to be accountable for our actions and that's not good. You don't need to be down there doing that. I know that you, you're hurt and I know that you want your dad back and you feel that, you know, they're keeping him in, in substance use, in his addiction and that they're, they're not They're Yeah, they are enabling him, but he needs to be loved, and you need to offer him that. It's amazing that he has such a
1: outstanding role model in his life to kind of give him those wise words and kind of share that love with him, and kind of you know well, reassure him that recovery is possible. Recovery happens. You're living proof, right? We've come
2: a long ways. Um, he's he shared with me some of the stories, some stories that I don't even remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last time I overdosed, which was February of, uh, 2017, they come into the bedroom and I was butt naked. Um, and I was on meth and heroin shoot. I was doing a shooting that and I, and I overdosed and my nieces and nephews found me in the closet overheating. I mean, I was, how I, old they, were,
1: How old were they at that time?
2: The, Sam, my, my my youngest nephew was four at the time. Uh, Kayla, KK, we call her. She was um, seven, seven. Bobby Joe was eight, and Ashton was thirteen. And they come in and see me butt naked, out of my mind. I mean, I don't see how I didn't have brain damage. And uh, help me get dressed, and see my mom help me help me get my clothes on. And and now it's come full circle, and just to be that beacon of light just to, you know, offer them that hope because now they see, hey, my Uncle Kay can do it, my dad can do it. My Uncle Kay can do it, my mom can do it. And so I'll just, t- I'll just tell them, i share with them all the time, you know, don't get mad at them, don't lash out, you still respect them as your mom and dad. As hard as that is, you've got to, you know, show them that they're still loved and they're respected and they have a purpose. Yeah,
1: and to see you, not only that you can recover, but to see you kind of thrive in your community mm-hmm. – and do the things, like you say, and give back to the community and um, do it on a consistent basis. Absolutely. Do things like um, your big weekend. What did you do this past weekend? Oh,
2: well, T- wow. Well, let's, let's
1: just get right at it, man. <laughs> let's get after it. I heard you're a little sore today.
2: Uh, Yeah, I actually could barely get out of the bed today. Um, I felt really good yesterday. Okay, let me back up. Saturday, I went down to Davidson, North Carolina to the college down there, and I ran a 32-mile race. Okay. What
1: inspired you to do that? Uh, Let's start. Let's start at the beginning. Like what? Like
2: my okay. This run, this racing and running stuff. Like what's because I I mean I I go as hard at recovery and being the best that I can be. mm -hmm. Just like I was in my you know in my in my substance use before I found recovery. Yeah. Um, you know, I was constantly, you know, stealing, doing whatever. The same amount of effort and energy, exactly. And the negative now, I'm applying it to the recovery. Right, and that's how you know I'm able to do all the things that I do. And first and foremost is my faith. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what I'm always trying to share with my nieces and the kids that I make impact speeches to. Is you got to believe in something in life. You got to have morals. If you don't, you're gonna fall for anything. Yeah. You know, you got to stand for something, and um, you know. When I come out of jail, I said, "Okay, I want to be the change," and that's why I'm always saying, "I want to be the I want to be the change I want to see in the world." And you know, it's a law of attraction. People see that and they want they want I want I want what he's got. I want you know what he's, I want to be able to do what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And anybody can do it. I mean, I'm I'm not sitting here you know saying, uh, being conceited or you know too confident. I have faith in what and the things that I do. Yeah, I have faith in God. And um, and so when I come out of jail, I, obviously I want to be the change. So I started. Eating differently, I started, you know, surrounding myself with people that's doing big things in life. I started uh, exercising and pushing my limits, and you know, and I got it. Seven weeks out of, after I come out of jail, I went and done Ironman. And most people have personal trainers, most people have coaches, and whatnot. And uh, did we go a lot? Did you take us off? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that
1: like the title of our show is recovery always mm-hmm. and that's kind of what i wanted to kind of dive into a little bit is that you are using health and wellness exercise mm-hmm. as a core
2: faith a- faith my faith is my, recovery. my foundation and everything okay. else is built on top of that all right uh excuse me my faith is first and foremost um you know my morals the things i stand for and I just build on top of that with my diet, with my exercise, with meetings, with classes. And that's how I'll be able to make an impact because mm-hmm. I, I try to pick up and learn from every situation. You know, good and bad, I try to take something away from that yeah, and use it into my, my walking life, use it into my recovery. Okay. And that's how we make the biggest impact. That's how I make the biggest impact.
1: So you did the Ironman seven weeks seven,
2: after? Ironman 70.3. Completed that in seven, six hours and seven Explain minutes. Explain
1: to our listeners what an Ironman is.
2: Exactly. The 70.3 is a, a swim, bike, and a run. And what that is, is a 1.2-mile swim. You come out of the water. They get you out of your wetsuit. you did bike's 56 miles. Get off your bike run to the next transition area and then you run a half a marathon which is 13.1 miles
1: now seven weeks after seven weeks after i had no
2: training i mean i rode a bike for a few weeks and i didn't really even run and okay. so the run about literally i felt like i was yeah. dying so and uh you know it, it's it releases that those endorphins it releases that um dopamine there she goes dopamine that good the good dope you know what i mean that's um so that's why i seek suffering that's why i you know i'm always telling everybody you know get out of your comfort zone you know we just had that conversation this weekend right and it went really well yeah and And, um that's that's you know the message i try to send is you know where there's no suffering there's no um uncomfortable feeling you know there's no growth if you're not un- uncomfortable doing things, you're not growing. If you stay the same and just stay in your comfort zone, get up and do the same things you've done yesterday, you're not growing. Yeah. I try to live
1: that way, man, but I
2: feel like oftentimes I
1: push too much, and I, I'm struggling with finding that balance. Uh, not with myself, but when I'm working with others and like really trying to like motivate them and kind of push them to step out of their comfort zone, mm-hmm. I feel like I, I push a little too much. And, motivate? Yeah, a little too much, man.
2: I don't use the word motivate. Yeah. <laughs> no, Laid on no. me. Well, um I think uh motivation comes and goes. Uh-huh. It's too uh, you know, it's too wishy-washy. You know, I, I always share like uh, I got it from David Goggins, who's a uh, Navy SEAL, and uh, he said that motivation is crap. You know, motivation, you can have you can be motivated to go for a run and then, you know, get outside and it's cold and be like, oh, I can't go. I can't do it.
1: Motivation's so, temporary.
2: Right. So I use passion. I use drive. And uh, you know that—that's what—that's how you get. That's the fuel that you need to smash those goals.
1: Yeah, passion and drive and drive in combination. Driven, a driven, driven
2: person. I don't. I'm not a motivated. I'm a driven person.
1: And and we see that in your work. Right. So after that Ironman, what was the next step in your?
2: Uh, I I wanted to do the. Trail to the remember remember the removal ride which is uh, they ride the bicycles on the Trail of Tears they take the northern route
1: and that's what kind of motivated you you alluded last show that that's kind of what motivated you to do this big run coming up
2: yeah well they I was excluded automatically because I'm a convicted felon mm-hmm. and so that's what you know another thing that I'm always trying to share with people is uh, you know sometimes God says no and uh, you know you just got to find a way a different way to uh, get to get to the you know your goal that you want to achieve and so uh, they told me no and i said well my people didn't ride bikes to oklahoma that's right (laughs) so you know uh, and i I really commend and i'm not knocking what they do that's that's awesome that they do that but i want to be as close and as suffer as much as my people suffered and the best way to do that is to take the longest route and to sleep on the ground and to run it so
1: what I'm hearing you say is that you you learn to kind of live life on life's terms right. while maintaining that same
2: passion and mm-hmm. drive to achieve your goals. And you know that's like uh, this weekend. I didn't go down there prepared. I didn't have my the apparatus to have my water on me, and my nutrition on me. I just I just thought I you know what it's 32 miles. I can do that. I, I do. I, the longest run I'd been on up until that point was 17 miles. Yeah. I don't know that's probably wasn't you know too too smart of thinking but when I get uh, when I got down there every 6.2 miles we was running 6.2 mile laps I got to the fourth lap I hit a wall mm-hmm. I was I wasn't getting nutrition for every 6.2 miles mm-hmm. no water nothing so uh, fourth lap you know 24 miles in I hit a wall and then you know that I oh, always made a force for life all the time when I do these things when you hit that wall what what do you do? You know, if you're not mentally, spiritually, and physically sound, you're going to break. You're going to turn to things like drugs to find comfort. Yeah. And so being sound like that in all three aspects, I, I, can, I can, you know, push through and put one foot in front of the other and keep going instead of falling back. So what is, how do you maintain that
1: mentally, physically, spiritually, motivation and drive like, I, how do you maintain that for me it's like my community it's mm-hmm. the the people that I've kind of put in place around me mm-hmm. it's my daily meditation practice it's, it's supporting each other mm-hmm. um, and loving each other you know regardless and be, having people that can call me out on my bs if I'm kind of getting lazy and so what does that look like to you like how do you how do you maintain those things in between races
2: <coughs> I um I get up every morning and I read scripture. I get up and um, I, every day I try to do something physically, and I spend some time in thought. Um, you know, you have a full day. I heard this Jimmy Valvano. You know, I'm sure you heard yeah, Jim, yeah, heard Jimmy V, yeah. and he said there's three things that you strive should strive to do every day. And he said that's some, spend spend time in thought. You should laugh every day, and you should have your um, have your feelings move to emotion. Cry. You mm-hmm. know, if uh, you, you do those things every day. You've, you've done you've done something every day. And so I try to do that every day. I, I spend time, you know, in, in the Bible, in Scripture. Uh, I do something physically. Uh, make sure that my diet's right. And that just keeps me really sound, you know, and, and balanced out because that's what I'm always trying to tell people. It's not about us. It's not, you know... As human beings, we're we're not meant to just live. You know, so many people say, "I can do this on my own. I want to do this by myself." Like you know, you've got to have that driving force. My driving force is God. My driving force is my my kids, my nieces and nephews, my family, my morals. You and that's how I'm able to make the impact that I make. So,
1: do you have a routine, or is it just you just worked all these things in? I work all these things in, so it's not like at six a.m. I'm up and doing this and.
2: Well, um, I'm starting to get into more more of a routine. Uh, you know, I try to be in church on Wednesdays and Sundays. I, I go to Bible study at six o'clock in the morning on Tuesdays. I, I f- five days a week I'm doing something physically. I, I don't have an actual you know th- day this day I'm gonna do this, but at least five days or six days a week I'm doing something to you know in my physical my for my physical well being and and through all that. I keep a strict diet i you know i don't eat no fried foods i don't eat no junk I don't eat no sweets and that just keeps me you know like I said you know when life life hits you and uh you run against something tougher than you you you're okay you don't you don't look for something else for comfort because you're in such a routine you know you have those tools in your toolbox to not you know fall back into the same. Woe is me mentality. You don't have to be drugs, but just, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. It's, you know, I I don't I don't feel sorry for myself anymore because I know what life's. You know what you know what life can throw at you. Yeah, and I I, and I know from living or excuse me existing. I I I don't aspire to exist. I aspire to make a difference every day. Excuse me. <laughs> and
1: you're doing that. I mean, uh, you can just tell by your presence. Um, that you carry face to face, you can tell by your social media following. You can tell by you can tell by the um, advocacy work that you're doing on the reservation and in the school systems, and really getting pulled in a lot of directions, huh? You knew I was gonna go there, didn't you?
2: <laughs> yeah, we just actually uh, Caitlin and I, my girlfriend, we come up here to Fairview Elementary and had a had a uh, meeting with a couple of the guidance counselors about getting some early prevention. Uh, an early prevention program started at their elementary school for the 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. The same thing we're doing over in, at Cherokee. Um, I got a meeting on Wednesday with the director of the children's home in Cherokee, and we're just trying to get to the same kind of program in place of, of you know, offering hope and just letting people, letting the kids say, you know, feel that love and know that they're seen and know that they have a voice because you know, I got this concept from Richie, like, you know, the kids are kid. Our kids are our future, but they have a voice right now, mm-hmm. and we need to have that voice at the table. To, I mean, if we don't ask them the questions, we don't know what's going on with them. Yeah, and they need to be asked the questions before and they feel valuable. The right, they yeah. need to know their value, mm-hmm. which so, is a
1: huge concept that Richie just rant and raised about. Is mm-hmm. is you know having somebody uh, there to, like you said, show you your value and. Mm-hmm let you know that they believe in you and that you can accomplish your goals.
2: I think that this is a good time to share, uh, you know, four four key points that I think, you know, people fall into that hopelessness and fall into uh, depression, anxiety, ad- substance use is, you know, first and foremost, you got to feel you belong somewhere. Um, you got to feel that your life has meaning and purpose. You got to f- uh, know that people see and value you and... You got to feel that you have a future that makes sense. And if we can, you know, let the kids know and let the people know that, you know, struggling with mental health and substance use, let them know that those things uh, and help them find their purpose. And therefore, when they find their purpose, they find that drive to achieve those goals.
1: Let me ask you this now, looking back into
2: your experience,
1: were those things lacking in your life?
2: Absolutely, we get lost in the uh, process. We get lost into um... <laughs> uh, we get lost. We get lost in uh, you know the things that the negative. For me, I got lost into uh, my dad died. That, that was I was already on drugs. I was already you know using the needle. And well, I take that back. Right before he got sick, I was, you know, still, I hadn't got on a needle. When he got sick, I was like, you know, I, I said I'm never going to do this, but my dad's dying. Oh, well, you know, that was my hero. That was my best friend. And so I turned to something that for comfort, like I'm always sharing. And if we don't have those values and we don't have those morals instilled in the kids and instilled in those people, it don't even have to be kids, you know, but anybody, you know, if you don't have those morals, then you're going to turn to something.
3: I feel like that's like we were talking about exactly what goal we are trying to achieve with the show and with the podcast. And you're talking about the kids and how you want to get to the kids and influence them. And I feel like that's really speaking truthfully to what we want to do is that we want to get the message to the community, not necessarily to those who are already in recovery or those who you know need recovery, but we want to build up the people around them and so that we can you know destigmatize it. And we can show people who come across, you know, their family or their friends who need help and they'll know what to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Be able to provide those resources and comfort and um, yeah. a little more of an understanding as far as how to approach that when you're...
3: Yeah. So I think what you're trying to do with the early prevention is an amazing thing, mm-hmm. you know, reaching out to the children first so that, you know, they know right off the bat that... You know, recovery is not a bad thing. It's a good thing, and that's what we want to move towards.
2: And as you know, we we talked to uh, Deborah Forst over there as a principal at Cherokee. She's uh, we're hopefully moving towards making Cherokee the first recovery high school in North Carolina. And what that would look like is, you know, obviously the national average for first time drug users is eleven. Um, so, not only early prevent, prevention program, but recovery program because a lot of the kids are already, you know, experimenting with drugs. Mm-hmm. And so we want to get them out of the shadows and let them know, So, hey, we see you, we, we've struggled. It's okay. You know, it's, it's okay to, to, to be vulnerable. It's okay to have, have problems. Everybody's got problems. So let's talk about them. Everybody's got skeletons in the closet. The, the thing, the trick of that is, is to get them out and dancing with them. Yeah. That being way, being
1: comfortable hanging yeah. out with them. right. So it's funny that you mentioned the kind of stigmatization that we're trying that you're trying to like overcome. Because hearing Richie talk last week at his recovery messaging, one of the biggest things that like stood out to me was that he said that sixty seven percent of the general public believe that there is a stigma towards people in recovery, and that just seems like an out outstanding number uh to me I kind of wanted to like ask Courtney um prior to meeting me because when we first met like it was very clear that not only was I in recovery but like I was thriving in my life and kind of living a you know a very you know happy life and like really you know successful in what I do so like prior to meeting me like Did you have any experience like with stigma or like really anybody in recovery or did you have an idea on like what recovery looked like?
3: Well, before I met you, Steve, I hadn't. No, I had never really known anyone to be in recovery and recovery wasn't really in my vocabulary. So to me, drug use or addiction, those kinds of things that, you know, there's certain words you don't want to use because they stigmatize it. But it wasn't even in my vocabulary at all. To me, there was just drug abuse, rehab, or nothing, or overdose, death, you know, bad things. And to me, it was, there wasn't recovery. There wasn't a recovery aspect of it. So to be able to meet someone who's actually gone through that completely changed my perspective of people who do use or people who are in that place.
1: Can you recall, do you remember how it was presented to you?
3: What, well, whenever I met you? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we worked together at the Peebles, and uh, I just remember you introducing yourself to me. And, you know, the more that we got to know each other, you told me your past.
1: It was pretty early on, though. Right. It was, right. Like it it was pretty early on because
3: mm-hmm. you were so open about it. Yeah. Because you weren't hiding it. You weren't saying, like, I'm a bad person or anything like this. It was just here's what I've been battling and I've been successful in battling that. Mm. And here I am today. And, you know, you were this happy, outgoing person. And whenever I met you, I wouldn't have, you know, even thought that you had had that past because I just thought you were a great person to meet.
1: Yeah. I think that's like, my experience has been that, um, I can, I can vividly remember like walking into like standing outside in the parking lot of the treatment center smoking my last cigarette before I walked inside and, like, really, like, experiencing a physical level of acceptance that, like, recovery is going to be my life. Like, walking... When I leave this place, I will be a person in recovery for the rest of my life. And there won't be any hiding hiding it. There won't be any shame or guilt. I just, like, experienced a a total... Acceptance, like a, a physical acceptance that like not only was I doing this, but i'm I'm running with it, right and i'm not I'm not going to hold anything back. and so that's why, I like when I meet people on the street, when I meet people at the mall, when I meet people at the grocery store, if we have any type of like personal relationship communicating between each other, it's very clear that I'm a person in recovery, that i'm a per a person who is thriving in life and loving and really enjoying what i have present. And so like that's kind of like what i wanted to like transition to is like have you experienced any sort of stigma in your everyday life? And not necessarily in the our recovery circles because we keep those people who accept us for what we are close to us, not in the rooms, you know, not in your churches, but like in your everyday life when you're out and about like what 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 have you experienced?
2: I th- hmm. That's a good question. Uh, let me let me back up right there. Because whenever I I realized that I was going to be you know in in recovery and I was going to change everything about you know the things I stood for when I was in jail, uh, you know a lot because a lot of people don't see that aspect of recovery you know in jail Mm -hmm. i changed everything when i was in jail i I got on a vegan diet when i was in jail and i started hold
1: on hold on hold on hold on hold on let's just take a couple seconds and step back and explain to me what a vegan diet in jail looks like um
2: no no dairy you know Mm i mean yeah basically vegetables okay that's all that's all i could eat vegetables and fruit and uh, it was hard, and I would fast two times a week. Okay. I would fast on Wednesdays and Sundays, and I would read my Bible really hard those days a lot. I'd stay in the Word, and uh, you know, I I started reading, you know, having leading Bible studies in jail, and uh, you know, I knew that my recovery, I was gonna. Have, it's, it's, I look at it as a regeneration of the soul. You you work from the inside out, and I and I noticed that. The, you know, I had sores on me still when I was in jail from the mess still coming out and and uh you know when you work from the inside out, it says that you know as your soul changes your outward appearance will change, and then the people around you, your environment will change and so I knew that you know I had to look at everything differently i had to, i had to uh change everything about me and i embraced that and mm-hmm. I was ready for that and uh so people do find find recovery in jail it is possible it it does happen absolutely so
1: leaving jail right getting into these runs and marathons and ironmans and stuff like have you have you felt any sort of judgment any sort of stigma any sort of
2: not not really not you know, really um why do you think that is i don't know i'll share point. my opinion but i think it's gonna, you it's, I, it's you
3: it's you i think it's the way that you've decided to change and that you've i think you've pushed all that to the side, all the stigma, all the things that you don't want to see, the negative things that are going to bring you down, I think that you've been able to overcome that. And I think that's why maybe stigma hasn't affected you personally, but it might affect somebody else who is struggling to transition into that point where you said, okay, I'm going to make a change. But the people who haven't you know, made that decision and made that, that next step, I think maybe they're still filling the judgment.
1: And I think it like you kinda hit it on the head when you said you embraced your recovery. Mm-hmm. And that's what that was what that feeling was that I was trying to describe earlier was that like you embraced that embraced your recovery. So like I think that just by accepting it, embracing it and living it, um, you're able to kinda overcome that sort of perception that you might it almost in my opinion, based off of my experience, it kind of is almost an internalized fear and judgment um, that we kind of cast on ourselves.
2: Mm, Absolutely. I believe so.
1: When you actually carry yourself and live the change and love everybody and, you know, live your recovery, I think that it's, it's non-existent, but it's the fear of what is possibly out there that's holding people back and stopping people from actually moving forward with it. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back in a few minutes. We're going to play a little track. Uh, Last week on our last episode, we asked for listeners to submit any form of music that they might be working on that are recovery related. And so we actually have a track from one of my homies out in Asheville notes who sent in a few tracks and we're going to p- go ahead and play like it or not by notes you can check him out on soundcloud at uh, alvin hooks soundcloud.com slash alvin hooks the song is like it or not by notes
0: Look, what up, homie? Let me talk to you. As I lay in my bed, dwelling on my thoughts, thinking about my past and all the friends I done lost, all the pain I done seen, tears I done caused, walking this road to recovery, bruh. I remember when I got here. And I ain't want to be here. I came because you came, bruh. That's the only reason. Then you left me on my own in a place I ain't know. Then I got that phone call that the Lord and called you home. Oh, my God. What the I'm supposed to do now. I'm sitting in this meeting, homie, looking for a way out. Then I spoke about my pain while the tears running down my face. This ain't me, man. This ain't me. But for you, I changed. And the tears came faster. Others started crying. My pain spreading like cancer. As I looked and I spoke to the room and I saw the faces, I knew the answers. I said, this is what you wanted. I'ma give it all I got. I'ma tell our story. I don't care if they like it or not. If they like it or not, you hear me? For real. I said, this is what you wanted. I'ma give it all I got. I'ma tell our story. I don't care if they like it or not. If they like it or not. But look, man, the first two months, bro, I'm sicker than a month. Trying to figure out how to deal with these motherfuckers Till I met a friend who said hooks come and work out A stress reliever And we can find something to talk about I enjoyed the conversation The kid was 19 Had a head on his shoulder School and everything And he put me on some step work Started with a pyramid Balance is what I needed and that's how it started every time i had a problem i had you to talk to it didn't matter what i went through you was always there you was my light in my life when life wasn't fair and times like now bruh i wish you was here i remember when you peeled out i ain't know the situation and i'm waiting on your return so i can do my meditation and you're passing your addiction another friend lost i made sure this is what i say to the people when i talk I'ma give it all I got. I'ma give it all I got. I'ma tell our story. I don't care if they like it or not. You hear me, homie? Say, I'ma give it all I got. I'ma give it all I got. I'ma tell our story. I don't care if they like it or not. If they like it or not. Rest in peace, fam.
1: Welcome back to the conversation. We're just kind of finishing up, kind of sharing our experiences on what stigma we might have experienced. And the reason that I was kind of getting to that, Caleb, and why I was asking you those questions is because um, I'm a student over here at Southwestern Community College, and I'm studying substance abuse counseling. And over the last uh, two years, we've really put a focus and kind of created this Collegiate Recovery Program. Do you have you heard of that? Do you know what a Collegiate Recovery Program I,
2: is? I don't know what that looks like.
1: Okay, it, essentially, it's a it's a support system for students on campus for students in recovery uh, to kind of support each other along the path and to support each other and experience uh, life on a college campus um, without fear of returning to use or without fear of judgment and kind of what my experience has been in working with these students and talking with students is, um, there's a lot of students in recovery on campus, but there's not a lot of students in recovery that are open and willing to kind of come forward and join our efforts and feel comfortable. Um, even though we've created such a safe space for them, they don't necessarily want to put themselves out there and kind of share that message that, um, we're trying to, trying to, you know, share with the rest of the college. I mean, we have a a ton of support. We have a a safe space. We have, you know, weekly groups. We have, you know, monthly social events that we do. And it, it just seems like a lot of the feedback that I'm getting from the students that I interact with is that they're, they're in fear of stigma. They're in fear of receiving stigma, but they're not, kind of willing or understanding on how to to get around it and I think the answer is the recovery messaging stuff that um and topics and learning how to share your story like you do learning how to talk about recovery in a way that that sells it um
2: just educating like you said getting that recovery message out there and that, um I, I talked to a woman from Alabama who is the uh president of the Trail Tears Association, the Alabama chapter. And she said her uh, sister, if I'm not mistaken, has a master's degree in criminal science, but she's uh, struggling with alcoholism. And um, she reached out to me today and said, "Uh, I need your opinion on something. I don't know how to approach my sister. You know, she's getting in trouble with her drinking. She's 40 years old. And obviously she's, you know, very intelligent but I don't know how to approach her. And I said, well, you gotta be careful first and foremost, because if she don't think she's got a problem, then she's gonna be on the defensive if you come at her incorrectly.
1: Yeah. Well, we know that from experience. Exactly,
2: I didn't, you know, didn't want to hear nothing about, you know, yeah. you need to do this, you need to do that because I knew everything, you know? And, um, and that's, you know, just goes back to, I'm always trying to share, don't don't become unteachable. Uh, anyways, I told her, I said, um, why don't you just, there's a way you can go about it, obviously. and. Love and support, and um, I said, "Why don't you bring up the fact about about her court dates coming up, and that would open up the dialogue of, I'll, you know, can I go? Can I go? How can I support you? And getting help, you know, for your drinking, because she's gonna have to take classes and whatnot." And I said, "That's that's the perfect opening to do segue. that." Yeah. So <clears throat> that's that's another thing, you know. I'll just I, I'm gonna go down there hopefully here soon and and do a presentation on the recovery messaging. And as long as we keep educating the community, because that's where we recover is in the community, educating the community and see and keep sharing my story because we only get to keep what we have by giving it away, that gives them strength. You know, showing weakness, you gain strength when you show weakness, Mm -hmm. when you become vulnerable. That's when healing begins.
1: Having come from, like, a retail management background and working in retail for, like, almost 25 years, I think that that was – something that i learned you know decades ago that i was good at selling myself you know like trying to get the next promotion and working myself up the ladder so when i got into recovery it kind of came natural i was like okay i can sell myself you know Mm -hmm. i can so i didn't really have the recovery messaging training initially but i was comfortable in selling myself in a positive way to make myself look good to try to get that promotion or whatever it was. So it somewhat came natural for me. And like that, that's kind of like, you know what Courtney was talking about when we first met, like I just, I just, that's how I am. I'm comfortable in my skin and I'm comfortable selling myself, but so many people aren't right. And so like, how do we, um, how do we share that with people who haven't found recovery yet? and who are uncomfortable with the idea of, you know, that recovery is okay. Recovery is cool. I mean, look at us, bro. We're in here, like, doing a podcast, like two badasses. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think that goes back to, you know, just being able to love yourself, and that's that's where it starts. You know, uh, I'm always talking about how we're all in the people business. We all deal with people, whether it's our family, you know, and even if we're not dealing with with people outwardly we're dealing with ourselves all day every day exactly and so the that's why you know we have to become um and we have to be, get get into a place where we, we can make a positive impact on those who are struggling who don't know how to love themselves and that's why that goes back to you know just giving that love and support and saying hey i see you you know you're amazing and you know, i think that that's when it's where we start making a difference
1: yeah i couldn't agree more so hey i was talking about the collegiate recovery program uh a few minutes ago and I hear you might be joining me Oh what well, in the class? In the classroom.
2: Absolutely. I have a meeting up here um with Lori on Wednesday. Lori who? What <laughs> oh, is Lori's last name? Well, I, Lori Clancy. Lori Clancy. Um I got a meeting with her on Wednesday at at one fifteen Wednesday and I'm gonna to try to get back into get back into school and
1: what's driving you to get back into school? Besides both of me and her in your ear. knowledge
2: and understanding I yeah. mean that's what it's about you know whenever uh, you might as well just roll over and die if you if you become you know you get to the point where you don't want to learn anything anymore because that's what life's all about
1: what do you want to do when you
2: i want to do everything I know that
1: but <laughs> let's get let's talk real talk man um where, where after... do you where do you see yourself in five years? you've talked about these recovery homes you talked about these
2: I want to have my uh prevention
1: programs you talked about all these projects but where do you see yourself settling in i don't ever do
2: see myself settling i'll go ahead and tell you that continue um, to
1: grow how do you where do you see yourself
2: i see myself traveling i see myself help setting up recovery communities i see myself being in some kind of political position um and being the change just being the change wherever i go i want to be the change that i want to see in the world
1: so where does it start, man? Like what's your what's your focus? Where's the number one project right now?
2: Reco- my recovery community on oh, Cherokee. Raise hope. Raise hope. Raise hope. Recovery and consulting, and the reason we had to add consulting in there is because these other prevention programs and recovery programs we're trying to get in place in the schools, we had to branch out to make that umbrella where it covers more.
1: Okay, so that's like a. Non-profit? Thing?
2: Yeah, we're, we're in the process of uh, getting the paperwork done to get established as a 501c3.
1: And once you're established on the reservation, you're going to expand?
2: Uh, you know, starting to recover community. community. Uh, I actually found a new church called Christ Fellowship.
1: Where is that located?
2: It's in Cherokee. Uh, snooks Village, wonderful uh, congregation. You know, very supportive, very loving, and they understand recovery and they're huge recovery allies. Recovery allies. And uh, I, I had a lunch. We had a, a big lunch after church on Sunday, and they're they're going to be building a new church, hopefully, Lord willing. And uh, the money that I raised from my run to for my run to Oklahoma, I'm going to donate half of it to help them to get the church built. That's fabulous, man. They're actually going to build a recovery community also. And so, you know, we need to have all these avenues. We need to have different things in place for people to have the best uh, chance at success in recovery.
1: So before we bring our show to a close, I think it's uh, important that we kind of recognize members of our community who are doing amazing recovery work and offering services to our community. And we have a submission from one of our listeners actually uh, a good friend and mentor of my own, uh, James Skelton, he has started a private practice called called Wisdom Recovery and Counseling Services. James has been a licensed substance abuse counselor for seven years, helping families find recovery from suffering of addiction. He's fully trained and certified interventionist, not like TV reality show versions. He is non-confrontational but inventional. The client is the whole family focused on cost effectiveness and gives the power back to the family and client relying on the family's resilience. If you're interested in James' services, he can be reached at wisdomrecoverycounseling at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to NC Raw, Recovery Always. The NC Raw family would like to thank today's musical contributors, Rival who can be found on Facebook, SoundCloud, and YouTube by searching Rival727, and Notes, whose work is on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash alvinhooks. You can find all of our content by visiting our website at www.ncraw.life. Please subscribe to the site to receive exclusive content offers and be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter at WNCRaw. NC RAW is still accepting submissions for our logo competition. Submit your work to admin at ncraw.life for a chance to win a cool prize. The show has been brought to you by our amazing NC RAW team consisting of Courtney Stiwalt, Caleb McCoy, Steven Steen, and Richie Tannerhill. Thank you to everyone who has made this project possible. Please tune in next week for our very first guest appearance. And remember, recovery does happen.